As Omaha native Brian Windhorst once once said, what a do, baby. Oh and yes, gosh. I'm going to keep that going. <laughs> this is the Half Port Press Podcast. I am Jimmy Watkins, the Nebraska basketball beat writer. A little bit of football, but for the purposes of this podcast, football doesn't exist. He is Joel Lorenzi. He's the Creighton basketball beat writer. We both work at the Omaha World Herald. We're in the office today. We This is our second episode. We just finished... Uh, Doing a photo shoot, I debated. I debated quoting a Jay Z line from from Otis. Can you guess what line I'm thinking of, Joel? No, I can't. Photo shoot fresh, looking oh, like wow. Wealth. I'm about to call the paparazzi on myself. Yeah. Um, Joel and I just sat in front of a camera and a professional photographer for what an hour. Yeah, it kind of feels like we're in another photo shoot right now with the lights. Yeah, all, the lights are dim. The lights are off. Like, uh, we're waiting like for Luke somebody. Type, quick, like very quick peek behind the curtain. What happened to the Nerf gun? There we go. Yeah. Quick peek behind the curtain. We we have a a light in our studio that basically I don't know. Does it go off due to inactivity? I think that's what it is. <laughs> and we have we bought a Nerf gun to shoot at it. <laughs> When when that happens, and if you can't see it, but I'll describe it to you. That, I don't know. That's what was actually that happening. ceiling tile. That ceiling tile has ice. taken a beating, a beating. Okay. There, are, <laughs> it is not looking great up there from the oh, Nerf gun. Um, but yeah, Joel sat. Joel and I sat. We were supposed to talk to each other, but not make eye contact, and then we weird. were supposed to make intense eye contact yeah. for long periods Shout of time. Shout out to Brodo. Shout out Marco. Shout out Marco. He, he got us. Cool. He, got, he, he had, had us vision. looking good. He was very patient. Yeah. There was a, there was a lot of Marco like taking his hat off, yeah. rummaging through he, his hair. He moved my phone. How can I? Yeah, like, oh yeah, he oh did not like gosh. when Joel had his yeah. phone out, and he was he was frustrated with us. We're <laughs> we're rookies at this stuff, but we appreciate Marco. Um, supposedly this is going to result in some sort of advertising campaign. TV commercials and whatnot. Yeah, we I don't know. The big time and, I don't know that, that I deserve to be included in that. But cool. We appreciate Z Long, our podcast, internet, photo- photography overlord. I probably missed a few things there for, for including us yeah. in that ad campaign. Now we're going to talk a little bit of hoops. And I would say the biggest story going right now is... Florida transfer Keontae Johnson is at this very moment. We got a chopper in the sky. We don't, but he's on Nebraska's campus right now. He got in last night. He should be leaving tomorrow morning, and he's going to make a decision super duper fast because school starts next week um, for Nebraska and a couple other schools. I'm sure that are on his list. Memphis is on the list. Had to hold in a burp there. I should know. Am I allowed to say, Z, that I drank a Miller Lite before this? One American Miller Lite? Okay. I did say it. <laughs> I had one American Miller Lite with, yeah. with lunch before this. Um, so I, I had didn't. to hold I'm back sober. hold back yeah. a burp there. Yeah, Joel is better than I am. Yeah. And Keontae Johnson is down to Memphis, Nebraska, Kansas State, and Western Kentucky. Yeah. I'm not a betting man, but I would not put my money on Western Kentucky. Um, and this is a big deal, Joel, because this is – a really good basketball player from a couple of years ago. Uh, averaged 14 points and 7.3 rebounds for Florida, playing 31 games in 2019-20. Um, that's, that's the SEC. That's big boy country. That's the kind of scoring punch that Nebraska needs. Joel, I'll ask you this. I'm, I'll, I'll do most of the breakdown here, but what can you tell us about Keontae Johnson as a basketball player? Well, Keontae Johnson did. So shout out Keontae Johnson because this was one of my favorite players back when I actually had the time to still keep up with with uh, high school basketball because uh, I think I was. So Keontae Johnson is a year younger than me. So I was still very much keeping up with uh, Keontae and Oak Hill was, felt more prevalent back then. I mean, obviously they're still good, mm-hmm. but that was like, these were like peak 
Oak Hill teams to me. And, um, so he's a t- class of 2017? 2018. Right? 2018? 2018, okay. So I never really felt like um, – I don't remember him ever really being the best player, maybe until his last year on those Oak Hill teams. Maybe not even – the best player, I don't know. I can't I can't recall. I don't that's not how I remember it. But I do remember him being a, a high flying sensation, you know, just made good plays, was a, a very promising athlete. But he made a super big leap when he went down in Gainesville to the point where I don't think I feel like a lot of people forget this now, now that he's, you know, been inactive for so long. But um, you know, he was preseason SEC player of the year back when, you know, the season uh where he, you know, fell out on the court like that was his year to to yeah. take off and he was, he was averaging 16 a game in the four games that he did play before yeah, he collapsed like he, on the court against Florida State he was for sure Florida's best player and he was uh definitely a top two player in the conference that year and was bound for a big year so very unfortunate how that all went down I always liked him uh maybe at the next level well, not maybe at the next level he was bound for the next level of yeah. course at, at his trajectory but I always thought maybe he could actually be a pretty decent contributor at the next level too yeah he is, I would describe him as like sort of a classic two guard, um, slasher, shooter, scorer kind of guy. Yeah. Creates for himself okay. Yeah. Um, can beat guys off the dribble, has a nice in and out move. Um, really good at attacking closeouts. Good shooter, 37% uh, from three during his first two years at, at Florida. Has some bounce. Um, more of a finisher than a creator, though. I think he. Yeah. Topped out at around like 1.7 assists yeah. per game think, or so. I think the value's off the ball if for sure. you know, the 37 sure. mark stays was, and, you know, how much of a high flyer he is. I was talking to Kent Pavelka, the Nebraska play-by-play announcer, <coughs> earlier today. I try to keep in touch with Kent as, as much as I can. I find him to be a treasure trove of information and experience. And what what I had told him basically was, and this kind of, like, there's, there's a pro and a con here. I'm a pro, I'm a pro and con guy. We're going to make a list. The pro is... Nebraska has the kind of team and the kind of primary ball handler in Sam Griesel that will do what Fred Hoiberg wants them to do. Uh, to put it nicely, I don't think that last year's team always did that. Sam Griesel's a great table setter. He's a guy that can set other guys up pretty well. He'll do what Fred asked him to do, and Fred is a great offensive play caller, a great offensive designer. He can get guys in advantageous situations to score. My question to Kent this morning was, as the roster stands, who are we setting the table for? Mm. And I didn't have the answer to that. That's been my biggest concern for this team for most of the offseason was how are they going to score, who's going to create advantages, who's going to beat guys off the dribble. Um, they had, they've been talking about playing two bigs at once, and then they're talking about playing Jawan Gary, and they want to post up Sam Griesel. You can't do all of these things <laughs> without messing up your spacing, and that's what Fred prides himself on. That's what uh, we're going to talk about Eli Rice a little bit uh, later on, the newest Nebraska commit, and one of his biggest selling points about going to Nebraska was Fred telling him, "Look at all these open driving lanes. Look at all the space we have on the court. You're you're a guy who likes to get to the rim. It's going to be very easy for you, and it's not going to be very easy for a lot of the guys on this team." Now, Keontae Johnson is the kind of guy who, if you get him the ball, he can create an advantage out of nothing. That's very important. That's a guy that doesn't exist. Maybe Ramel Lloyd, maybe on the team right now. But that's not a guy that they don't that they have an experienced guy that they have right now. Flip side, the cons. Hasn't played basketball since 2019-20, really. He oh, played yeah. four games in 2020-21. Yeah. And then last year he stepped on the court very briefly in you know a ceremonial, it's nice to have you back, it's nice that you're recovering kind of deal. Didn't really play a minute, got him out of the game immediately. I don't know what 
he's going to look like coming back. I don't know how this sort of episode impacts your aggressiveness, um, how long it takes you to get back to the kind of guy you want. He was a fearless rim, attack, rim yeah. attacker yeah. when he was, at, when he was uh, scoring the way he was at Florida. The other thing is, and I don't want people to freak out, I'm not making a comp- comparison to the two players at all. There's a little Alonzo Vergy, this situation. To refresh people's memory, Alonzo Verge, the point guard at Nebraska last year, came along. I think he joined the program in July, so midway through the summer session. And looking back, I think we kind of understand that that was um, a tough situation to put Alonzo Verge in. Throw him into a, a team that's already practicing, ask him to be a floor general point guard, ask him to be the primary creator, which is a role that he had never played at this level before. And I'm not, that's, I don't think that's the role they're going to ask Keontae Johnson to play. But I do think that Sam and I have talked about this on pick six before you bring Alonzo Verge in, you upset the balance that already existed. The team is building chemistry. The team are, you know, they're finding roles. Um, they're, they're settling in. And then you bring in this new guy who's going to have the ball all the time. That's challenging. That's challenging. Basketball, basketball can be a very delicate ecosystem, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And so now we're doing that even later in the game. The summer session's over now. School's about to start. Roles are become are during the summer. Roles are starting to shape. They're going to become defined over the next couple months. And here's a guy that, in my eyes, could be Nebraska's Nebraska's primary scorer that you're bringing in potentially two, three days before school starts. That's a challenging dynamic to work in. Wouldn't you say, Joel? Yeah, definitely. But I think <clears throat> uh, a few important points with Keontae Johnson, um, I think that's a guy, like, as much as it feels like Sam Griesel is going to be the guy orchestrating the offense and really setting the table, as you say, um, Keontae Johnson feels like an easier plug-in than a guy like Alonzo Verge. I mean, it feels like a guy who – um, while he can create advantages for himself, it's probably better off, you know, off the ball or uh, DHO, stuff like that, like where he doesn't have to set the table for himself all the time. And uh, Keontae Johnson, I mean, that's a different frame. Like that's a, a real sure. wing we're talking about. Like that's 6'5", 6'6", 230. Like yeah. he, he has a real threat of a frame. I think that's what helped him uh, fly high so often. And the thing with Keontae Johnson, I think um, – Obviously, the injury thing is scary, right? Like, this is something that you probably want to uh, take precaution with. And I think, you know, Fred Hoiberg is a good guy to be monitoring that, as we, we talked about. Um, so, at the same time, like, I don't think with an injury like that, I don't think it affects his approach to the game. Like, I think he'll still be uh, visually attacking the rim. I just think uh, maybe it takes minute restrictions or whatever the case may be. They ease into it because obviously they must feel like he's ready to come back if, you know, this is the point we're at. So I, I wouldn't worry about his uh, tactical approach to the game or anything like that. I would say um, it's going to be a, a lot less of a burden, I think, for him to be trying to orchestrate offense and uh, create maybe the, uh, the the position they put Virgin. But um, with Keontae, man, this is a guy like – if there are nights he has to defer, I think he can and still be effective, you know, coming off the backside, like just doing different stuff off the ball. It's just a way more pluggable player, especially with his frame and everything to him. You make you make a really good point. He's 
again, I'm, I'm not trying to compare him and Verge's players. They're going to have completely different roles, and you make a really good point. He's a guy who can spot up. He can sit in the corner and wait and be a floor spacer. He's a guy who can cut back door and be a lob guy. He's got, he's got really impressive bounce. Um, that's a much easier kind of player to fit into an already existing ecosystem. You're upsetting you're up you're not up, you're not shaking the snow globe as much right you're not yeah. you're not taking the ball out of somebody's hands you are though i mean if he joins the roster there's there's somebody's minutes that he's going to take probably maybe a couple I think, some. I think it's a worthy bet i think i uh, agree 100% yeah. but i'm just saying you've already established this is this is the se- the off season of good vibes yeah. for nebraska basketball after a, a regular season of very bad vibes yeah. and so and I, they go ahead i will say out of shape, Keontae Johnson, I would take over a lot of players. Like, I, oh, 100%. Yeah. I, he's so like, going to be the most talented player on yeah. the roster. So like, as much as people might be worried about the build-up to the season, like, he'll be I'm ready. just saying that this is a game, like, <laughs> there are 10 other dudes on that team right now that think a certain way. 10 is a big number. Three, four, five dudes on that t- on that team right now that see themselves a certain way. That's going to change if you bring in a guy like this. He's a guy, you're, you're bringing in a guy who's going to be you, I think if I if he hits the ceiling of what they want him to be, he's going to be their leading scorer. He's going to be a guy that plays a ton of minutes, yep. and that's taking away from somebody else who already felt secure. And this is a team that feels really good about themselves as teammates, and they love their chemistry and things like that. They need the talent influx. That's the headline. That's what I want people who are listening right now to yep. understand. First and foremost, they need this scoring punch badly. It's kind of a tricky fit, though. That's all I'm saying. Sure. That's all I'm saying. Um, other Nebraska news this week. Ernie, Ernie Ziegler, the uh, former assistant coach at Deep Breath, Mississippi State, Detroit Mercy, <laughs> UCLA, Pittsburgh, Kansas State, Bowling Green, uh, head coach at Central Michigan, coached overseas for a couple years before he joined the college ranks, former AAU guy in the Detroit area where he grew up, started as an assistant coach in the Detroit high school ranks. Is the new Nebraska assistant basketball coach, um, Joel? You probably have a better. You you grew up monitoring recruiting. Recruiting. Put him on this fire. is a guy who has strong ties in the Midwest. Yeah. He's got strong ties on the West Coast from coach, his days yeah. at UCLA. East Coast from his days at Pitt. Um, he's a guy that he he tells us. Fred tells us has good connections in Texas and crucially has connections with the NBA's Academy Africa because Alfred Aboya, the former UCLA player who runs that program, um, was recruited to UCLA by Ernie Ziegler. And Ziegler, Ben Howland told me earlier this week that Ziegler helped Aboya get his first NBA job. He was a player development guy in the G League before he worked in the uh, Academy Africa. What value does a guy with that kind of recruiting background bring to a program oh everything because i think if you're a nebraska basketball fan obviously the thing you're missing most is talent these days right so um getting a guy on like like ernie ziggler um means everything granted um i think his highest ranked recruit ever at least one of them was his son which feels like a given right but i mean frankly dude uh, I've talked to Trey Ziegler a bit. Trey Ziegler is a, a GA at Creighton, for those yeah. who don't know. Yeah, Trey Ziegler is a, a very cool dude, and um, he is very family-oriented. But you got to look at the schools he turned down to, to go to Central Michigan and play under We were talking father. about this at lunch before we got here. Yeah, you're looking at uh, Arizona State, 
I believe UCLA, Michigan, 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 Michigan State. State. Like Those these were, the were final five, I believe. dude. Like Michigan State, even though I don't know how how much he wanted to be, because that that team had some high rank recruits. We're talking Adrian Payne, Keith Applin. Like those were those were some really good teams in that era. And I don't know how much he would have wanted to be just another piece, which is I'm sure probably part of what made. And, and it's hard Michigan to bet against compelling. the dad in these recruiting battles. Yeah, but I, I would say. I mean, that's still like that's yeah, that's a, a compliment and stuff. I mean, Trey Ziegler was ranked like in the 30s in the country. Like that's that's a high feat. And I mean, his his Ernie that is his reputation. And, and Central Michigan. Him. Let's be clear. I want to be nice to Central Michigan. I'm, a, I'm I came from the MAC, so I'm I'm sensitive to those who look down. Central Michigan's one of the worst basketball programs in the country. Before before Ernie got there. And he didn't do this either, by the way. I believe there had been two coaches in the previous, let's say, 30 years who had put together consecutive 500 seasons. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. So that's, I, again, it's his kid, but it's still a big ass to get a top a top 40-ish, top 30-ish recruit to come to Central Michigan. I don't care who, how you know him. No doubt. And so I think, I mean, Jimmy listed all the schools. I mean, you, you're talking about this, this guy has has done it virtually everywhere. Um, so it, it means a lot, especially like it's not like the like Nebraska already has already kind of tapped into to like with with Bradenbach. Like he's from modern day. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you can increase your ties for schools like that, powerhouses over on that side, not just in the Midwest and not just in Detroit. I mean Michigan has a great influx of talent right now too. Like just having those ties means everything um to get kids to come here and really see a future as a starter or just playing more minutes than, you know, I don't know, the Michigans of the world or whatever. Just help me increase that vision however you can. I think um, it was a great hire, and um, I think he'll do some of the same stuff here. Playing time is a valuable selling commodity for yeah. recruits. Um, the fan base, every recruit that comes here, I think you can become numb to it sometimes, especially me. I talk to these to these recruits who commit to Nebraska, whether it's football or basketball. And they all say, oh, my goodness, the fans come up to you and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, when I was talking to to Chase Clemens, who's in the 2023 class uh, right now, he said that when he was working out in Atlanta, Georgia, there were Nebraska fans who knew who he was, like working at his local gym in Atlanta. And Mm. he's a high school kid and, you know, a three-star kid at that. Not somebody, you know, it's not as different from a a Bryce McGowan, who's actually his cousin. Um, You can get numb to that stuff, but that's another huge selling point. And Ernie, who has been everywhere, I don't wouldn't expect him to say anything else because he just got this job, said yesterday in his introductory press conference, this situation, meaning the facilities, are, are some of the best in the country. He hadn't been here um, since 2011 when he was coaching at Central Michigan. He came to play Nebraska during the non-con, and he was blown away by the, the upgrades that have been made since then. Um, this is a higher, I would say this about the Ernie Zieg- Ziegler hire. Joel covered the recruiting stuff beautifully that part can't be overstated it's important to bring in talent that's very simple that's we can all grasp that to me my biggest takeaway from hearing ernie talk yesterday was that fred hoiberg still has the street cred in the coaching world because ernie said that he reached out to fred early in the process after he heard that armand gates left he reached out to fred that's notable to me Fred said he was a, or that Ernie was aggressive about c- contacting the program. That stood out to me. And you just look. This is what I basically wrote yesterday. 
Fred Hoiberg has won 24 games in three seasons. That's really bad. He's 9-50 and 50 in conference play. That's really bad. He just had to... None of his assistants who were here when he started here are here anymore. That's not a good sign. You just had to reshuffle. The, the, the rosters had to be reshuffled every year. Yes, that's part of the new reality of, of transfer portal college basketball, but also it's, it's, that's what happens when you win 24 games in three years at the same time. Ernie Ziegler, who's been to the national championship game, who's been at several successful programs, took a look at all of that and said, I want to be there. Because, as he said, he called around. He's got a, this is a man with an extensive network, not just in the recruiting world and the coaching world. He's worked for a ton of he's worked with a ton of different assistants. He's worked with Ben Howland. He's worked with you know <laughs> a name that doesn't carry a ton of um, positive spin with it anymore. But he worked for Dan Dockich at Bowling Green. That's a guy who knows a lot of people, right? He called around all these people, and they said, "Yeah, I know that Nebraska hasn't." He didn't say this, but it's a fact that Nebraska <laughs> hasn't ranked better than 117th in offensive efficiency since Fred's been hired here. And they still told him that's one of the best offensive minds in basketball. He still, that MB, the NBA background still carries. And some, another thing that Ernie pointed out, which is particularly in, interesting to me, is the way that Fred has adapted to the, the new way of coaching. I'm using air quotes. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it's a new culture in basketball, right? It used to be you listen to your coach. That's the bottom line. Coach says it, you do it. No questions asked. Now, as Ernie said yesterday, kids are asking why, and they want you to explain more to them. And being a coach is not as, um, you don't, don't, you're not a dictator anymore. You have to explain things to these kids. You have to make them understand why you want them to do those things. And Ernie said, that some of the feedback he's gotten is that Fred is one of the better coaches at doing that, which is interesting to me because we had this whole fiasco last season where Kobe Webster was saying that the program lacked accountability on the radio, and then they had to have a press conference about it where no one was happy to be there, and it was it was bad. Last year's team, um, I don't think it's a stretch to say lacked accountability at times, and so... It's interesting to, for for me to hear her, Ernie say what he said from his perspective, given perspective given that information. So that's my biggest takeaway is that Fred Hoiberg, despite all of the struggles, and there have been many here and in Chicago, it's been a long time since Fred Hoiberg has actually had a good season in any stop. I mean, like, what do you make of whatever you want to make of the the Chicago Bulls team <laughs> that took the Boston Celtics to six as an eight seed? Yeah, it was a five hundred team. But it's been a long time, probably going back to Iowa State since Fred Hoiberg really felt good about the end of, a col- uh, of any basketball season that he coached. And er- Ernie Ziegler still said, I want to be attached to that guy. That means something to me. All right, we're going to do a quick hit on Eli Rice. This will be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clear out for a second here, Joel. Eli Rice, Nebraska basketball commit, 2023 class, 6'7", um, three-star recruit according to On3, not rated by any of the other recruiting services yet but he's about to play at IMG Academy in Florida, um, which is going to be a big jump up for him because you watch him on tape right now. You watch his YouTube stuff. He's playing for Beach High School in Tennessee, and he's the tallest kid on the court. That's what stands out to me. The competition level is about to jump up. You see the skills, though. He can shoot it. He's got he's got the lefty stroke. I've, I've always personally believed that lefties have a prettier shooting stroke. Um, and I say that as a righty. He, he is capable of attacking closeouts, he can get to the rim. He's not, he's not one of these kids who 
still needs to grow into his body. He's very coordinated. He's long. He there's some I'm not I'm not trying to put too much evidence, but there is there are clips of him blocking shots. He cares he cares on defense and I I see him as like a floor spacery wing with good size who can attack closeouts. Um we'll see. We'll see from there. I think we're going to learn a lot more about what he can be. I think he's just by virtue of going to IMG, his recruiting profile will rise. How much further it will rise and how much of a steal he ends up being for Nebraska. They got in in they got in early on this uh recruit and I should I should mention the name Emmanuel Tommy, the new uh player director of player development at Nebraska right now cuz this is a guy who Eli Rice told me he knew before he knew Adam Howard or Fred Hoiberg or any of these guys. Uh, Emmanuel Tommy, former McNeese State uh, director of, I think he was the director of basketball operations there, if I'm not mistaken. And he he that's when Tommy met Eli Rice and he kept telling him, I'm not even going to try to recruit you to McNeese State because I know you're going to go somewhere bigger. Um, but if I ever get somewhere big enough, we're going to come after you. Sure enough, they hire Emmanuel Tommy the same month that Adam Howard reaches out to Eli Rice for the first time, you can connect the dots. You saw what you see what happened there. So that's an interesting get. He's the second member of the class. Um, Chase Clemens being the other one that's still in the class right now. And I think it's it's smart for them to be in on the ground floor like this. A guy with really good positional size. I mean, that's six, seven wing guys in college basketball. It's not something you see all the time. You see a lot of three-guard offenses, to be honest. And having a guy on the perimeter who who can move his feet and has the the wingspan and can shoot the ball like that, ready-made, like that's a a three-and-D guy. It's it's not hard to envision his fit here. So that's exciting. Moving on. Well, actually, I want to – so I want to do – we're going to talk about Creighton. We're going to talk about Rati – Andronika Shvili. Yeah. That's right. I was the Creighton beat writer for two weeks. I learned how to <laughs> I learned how to pronounce the names. We're gonna talk about Creighton in just a little bit, but I want to this is our our we we're doing in the first episode we did our rap takes, our music minute, whatever we want to call that segment at the end of the podcast. Sam McEwen, our boss, who we love, wants us to try it in the middle of the podcast yeah. to see we want to get a better gauge on what people's interest in this sort of thing is. We're probably gonna do it regardless yeah it's just a matter of do we want to throw it in the middle do we want to put it at the end we're gonna do it right now this is sort of our buffer zone so if you don't want to hear about my rap takes for the next two three minutes skip ahead a little bit it's been what two three weeks since we recorded joel mm-hmm. since then like we've had we've had joey badass we've had well, did joey come out the weekend i think the weekend after right we recorded before? i think or maybe I oh no! You, I remember you coming in here and saying that you hadn't heard it yet. So it came out. So it's been about a month of Joey. Um, it's been we've got we've gotten Steve Lacey since then. What I want to talk about real quick, and this is a digestible topic for everyone. <laughs> the game, oh, a rapper from Los Angeles, one of the, like in his heyday, one of the best rappers that we've seen. It's been a long um, time the documentary, since his heyday, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The documentary came out in what, like two thousand two, two thousand three. That's a lot. It's a long time ago. That's probably the best, one of the best. That's like on the short list of best rap albums ever. Um, he dropped a thirty-song album. I'm not going to review that album. I don't really care. Yeah. NBA YoungBoy, who is a guy that probably resonates more with some of our younger listeners. Um, well, Jimmy, you say that like you're 35 or no, something. No, no, no. I'm just that. talking about in general. The game is someone who, like, if you're 40, you know the game. Is. That's <laughs> what I'm. 50, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. NBA YoungBoy is more is more our speed. 
both of them just dropped 30 song albums, which is crazy to me yeah. <laughs> that, that people like, I understand business wise. It makes a lot of sense. Like the more, the more songs you have in theory, the more streams you can build. And yeah. that's how a lot of these, um, rappers have their, make their money. Joel, what do you think of 30 track albums? 30 song, I, I can't remember the last time I enjoyed somebody who had an album even longer than 20 songs. Yeah. I mean, it, 30 song albums feel like something exclusively reserved for Chris Brown these days. And granted, I haven't enjoyed listening to Chris Brown in a very long time. So um, it's not a good idea, especially with somebody like Youngboy where um, he drops so much and he just oversaturates the market so much. And it's like I'm already I'm already having a hard time listening to you, but you give me thirty songs of stuff I don't want to listen to. That's just gonna make me, it's gonna drive me to probably hate you. Like I, I don't want to hear your music. And in the game, like come on, like nobody that age should be dropping even fifteen songs. I'm surprised he had thirty to put out there. You to should comfortably put yeah, out there. You should be dropping your greatest hits right now if you're if you're the game and a thirty third track. I mean, look, I'm I like the game a lot. I listen to the album. I listen to the whole thing. And I like a decent amount. I have a couple of them. I have a few of them saved. But you went, you went through. Oh yeah, oh, it's it's like shit. a. I would compare it to like a, like binging a series on Netflix. You do it in waves. Give me a break. You're like ten. I, I he hit, should be writing a book right hit, now or something. I, doing documentaries <laughs> or something. I hit I hit like ten to twelve on the Friday it came out, and maybe five more on Saturday. You disgust and the rest me. on Sunday. <laughs> um, that's how I divvied it up. But I there are okay. I want to frame it this way. There are a lot of things that the generations older than us say about us that I disagree with. Sure. The attention span thing totally tracks. Yeah. Have you ever, like, me sitting in a room by myself, like, today is a perfect example. Us sitting there in front of the camera just looking at it, I was very uncomfortable. Like, yeah. I felt like I needed to do something with my hands. I wanted to, like, I wanted to be on my phone. It's hard for me to sit still. It's hard for me to be focusing on one thing. Like, when I, when I read books, I, I try very hard to read at least a book a month every year. And there's always a period for me where I need to sit there and just like get going. Cause I'll, I'll have to read a couple sections over a couple t- times in the beginning before you get in a groove and you can actually like be absorbed in it. I think that's just a product of like, Ooh, Twitter notifications, Ooh, Instagram notifications, like everything popping up on you immediately. Like, Oh, there's news. I have it at my, at the touch of my hand. Like Woj has news. I know it immediately because he tweets it out. So <laughs> For you to ask for my, I don't, I forget how long. I think it's an hour and forty-two minutes. The game album. For you to ask for an hour and you know forty-two what he with minutes the hour of my 42? time. He could have did a documentary with an hour and forty-two 100%, minutes. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. For you to ask for an hour and forty-two of my min, of my hour and forty-two minutes of my time is a huge ask. Yeah. Huge ask. And I did it, but I know that a lot of people. Are, I I did it so most of my friends didn't have to. To be honest with you, I, I sent I sent out the ones I liked to my friends. Um, I would recommend the Shame song. On you. The one with Pusha T and Two Chains absolutely goes. I'm sure. I forget. I what mean, it's I called. like Pusha T today. Yeah. See, that's a guy I want. I would yeah. not 30 songs, but I'll take 20 a songs for Pusha. Album. And yeah. I don't care how many you know these geezers want to uh, you know diagnose us with ADHD. Like, dude, I, it it doesn't even take that it. to not want to hear 30 for sure. or 20. Or fifteen yeah. or ten songs from the game in twenty twenty two. Like that's just the Kendrick album was I think sixteen songs and that was considered a double album. Yeah. So that's And that's fine. You, like just why, to give you an idea. I don't know why people stray so much from from the norm. Like they want to, money. <laughs> that's what it is. That's, that's why fair. Drake that's why Drake drops twenty four song out. That's why Scorpion was as long as it was. But it that's works why, for Drake. 
Well, yeah, he's different. It works for Drake because about 12 to 15 of those songs are going to be on the Billboard right. charts. And people are going to stick around for Drake. Yeah. They star. Um, okay, best song on the Joey Badass album, real quick. The one with West Side Gun. I, can't, I think it's 9. New 911, yeah. 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 Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Quick power ranking of my favorite um, my favorite sounds where rappers are imitating gun noises. Yeah. Number one is Kendrick's doo 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 doo. Number two is anyone. Oh, no. This is this is kind of generic. It's like the you know the <laughs> like we're spraying out the window hey, hey, type of deal. Like one of those. And then number three, but quickly rising up the charts is Westside going. Boop, 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 that should boop, be your boop, number boop. one. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I love that so much. That's a great choice. I'll go Eulogy. Um, that's just classic boom bap. Yep. Joey flowing over a smooth beat. That was our rap. That was our rap minute, our, our music minute, our rap takes. We're still yeah. workshopping names. Shout for out Steve segment. Lacey, though. Shout out Steve Lacey, also. Yeah. Great album. Uh, Bad Habit. Absolute banger. Unbelievable. Helmet, incredible. Generation defining yeah, song. That guy, yeah. that guy is super duper talented. And that's not that's not rap music, by the way. So I would encourage any person with a pulse, check out that If Steve they Lacey haven't album, already heard for it sure. for some you reason. Got it. Yeah. You got it. All right, Creighton time. We're back from rap takes. Rati, I'll say it again. Andro Nikashvili nice. has left the program to pursue other opportunities. What is Creighton losing? Um, a hard-nosed guy, I say. A guy that could come in, spot you a few minutes. Uh, but truthfully, a guy I don't think they'll miss too much. Um, you look at uh, the return of Sharif Mitchell. This is a guy who played pretty good minutes uh, before he, he went down last season and then before that played solid minutes. So, um, I think they're really looking forward to his return. Um, I've heard he's looked pretty good this summer. If you, I think this team wants to. I mean, obviously, you look across the board. The offensive identity might not be there yet, but the, the, the potential that uh, have one or even multiple to have just so many different looks offensively is there. Obviously, they got all the offensive talent in the world. They got all the talent in the world. But uh, what what you know, Greg McDermott has told me time and time again is it starts with defense. And I think they want to build that identity. And I don't know how much potential there is for that outside of Kalkbrenner because it's almost like Gobert, right? Like you take Gobert out those Jazz lineups, they suck at defense. And I don't think Creighton necessarily sucks, but they're a much better defensive team, like sure. an unbelievable defensive team with him it's out often, there. It's often to, said that Rudy Gobert is like a walking top 10 defense. Yeah. I feel the same way about Ryan Kalkbrenner, yep. a walking very good defense in college basketball. No doubt. So I think outside of Kalkbrenner, the guys, because, I mean, <clears throat> I think you saw this a lot last year uh, with Ryan Hawkins. Like, Ryan Hawkins was very good at communicating on defense, right? Like, that's what made him a solid defender at that. But he couldn't stay in front of anybody. Right. So they had him They had him during the Kansas game. They put him on Remy Martin <laughs> just to encourage Remy to shoot jumpers. Yeah. Remy hit a couple jumpers, and they busted by him, and Greg then dusted that. <laughs> put yeah. that put that uh, strategy in the in the wastebasket, and after the game, admitted that it was a mistake. Yeah, so I think I think Mac is trying to look for those same qualities that Hawkins had, like the the defensive communicator. Obviously, he doesn't want somebody that's a, a statue like yeah. Hawkins was a lot of times. But I think when you look at defense and you know defending the perimeter and covering those holes that Kalkbrenner can't get to because he's already so much of everywhere. Um, uh, a lot of that's going to have to do with Sharif Mitchell. Like, he's mm-hmm. going to come in, defend good to great guards, and uh, they're going to be able to live with that. They're going to be able to wipe their hands with it. He'll come and play. I don't know how many minutes he'll play this year. They got uh, a lot of ball handlers. But I'm sure he'll play 
a good 15 minutes a game, maybe more. Like it, they should people shouldn't be frowning about Rodsy. Like I know people like the flashes he showed, but this almost feels like it was like bound to happen, right? Maybe not playing pro. I didn't see that coming, but a transfer or something like that. I, it felt like it was in the cards, just off the way this team shaped up and how many guys they got in that backcourt and. You know, with Reef coming back and all that, it just felt like it was, you know, bound to happen. I don't necessarily know that he was in in their plans last year, right? It's just that Sharif got hurt. Right, and yeah. He got hurt. He got thrown into the fire. And one thing that they will miss with him is he was a guy, a very willing defender, always played really hard. Um, you can, you know, all the, all the trademark things that Coach loved, diving for loose balls, um, fighting hard to box out, all these, all the effort kind of stuff that matters. And that's that's important for building a culture and, and teaching other guys that everybody on this team can do that stuff. Like, look, this is a guy who um, doesn't shoot a ton of shots. We don't ask very much of him in any category, really, except for to try really hard on defense and and you know get deflections, all that sort of stuff. That that means that's not nothing, but it's a healthy enough culture. Right, think that they that losing one guy who does that doesn't mean that they're going to lose that part of their identity. And I agree with you that I, I don't know that he was going to play a ton this year anyways. So, Rati, we knew you well. Wish you the best in your in your future pro endeavor. It doesn't sound like he has a, a team yet, right? He's just pursuing no, professional yeah, opportunities. No, he's just over there. I, from, I mean, this is the surprising thing to me was, I mean, obviously uh, some move was probably bound to happen. I don't know how long he's thinking about it, but uh, from what I know, he was um, here working out earlier in the summer. Right. And – Suddenly, because this was like after his return from Georgia, after you know suiting up for them and right. qualifiers or whatnot. I, I know for a fact that he was here when uh, on Easter weekend when Francisco Ferbello took his visit here. He was the only one here because everyone else was. Yeah, yeah. And I'm talking after that, yeah. like July, and suddenly you see his Instagram story every day. Um, he's definitely like because he's like an artistic dude or whatever. Yeah. He likes to capture the scenery. He's a real uh, art dude, so he's like capturing europe like suddenly and it, it becomes like an everyday thing and it goes from oh maybe this was his, his camera roll to no this is the life he's living every day and yeah. you're like why is he the only one not here right. and so yeah i mean good luck to him but um yeah i i something like this was probably always gonna sure. happen yeah Last segment is a, is joel's chef's choice here oh geez it's a creighton basketball topic we were shooting around is it a is it a rotation question? Is it a is it a bigger picture question? Is it a biggest question? What do you want to talk about pertaining to your beat? Yeah, uh, I want to raise the question to listeners uh, because we know this rotation will be relatively tight. It's it's not like them to play probably more than eight players um, consistently. So I want to raise the question. Who do you guys, I mean, feel free to even mention me on Twitter Absolutely. about this. Who do you feel like is in that rotation? Besides the obvious, I mean, I'm sure let's, by now. Let's roll them off. Baylor Shireman, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Trey Alexander, Ryan Nemhard, Arthur Kaluma. Are the five. That's that's a, that's those the five. are locks. Yeah. Francisco Farabello feels like the a lock to me. The way they talk about him, veteran, it feels like. Veteran transfer guy yeah. wouldn't have come here without an assured role. Yeah. Um, and surely they want to improve on the shooting year. Absolutely. Have, what After that, what are we looking at? I'd like to think they're really pulling for Mason Miller. Um, okay. After red shirting uh, last year, 
um, with a talent like that, he was ranked, <clears throat> I don't know, in the 70s, 80s. Like, he was a top 100 guy with a talent like that. Obviously, it's there. Um, I'm, I, I know for a fact that um, – Mason Miller would bring what to a rotation? Oh, he's a he's a, a really great shooter. Like, we're talking about – I mean, his team uh, on his best days has a handful of shooters that are, are knocked down. But in terms of, like, real consistency, I think he's probably a – top two shooter on that team so that's what you're looking at and he's just got good size um can really be a good off ball player i think and has the size i think to be a defender if that's uh what they're hoping for but um even if he's not like i think he's just a good rotational player and so we we're at seven that's seven that's seven so who's looking on the roster i know i i feel like they want to Find time for Schultzberg. Yeah. I don't know how much it'll happen this year. Um, I feel like we're missing somebody very obvious. I can't think right now. Pull up. We said Mason, Farabello. We, did we say Sharif yet? Sharif. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sharif is Sharif. It would be the eighth. Then. Yeah. Sharif. Well, would Sharif be would be the seventh, and then this Schultzberg Miller. Whoever I mean, Frederick King? Question shrug? Question no, mark? No, I don't. I think uh, I think Fred King is still a very raw project. I okay. think they like what they see in him. He attacks the rim hard. He's he's a powerful big man, good size. Uh, but I think in terms of the skill, I mean, he's only been playing basketball so long. So I think in terms of the skill, they're still hoping he'll come around. I mean, he'll get a even if he doesn't play this year, he'll get a lot of that just being behind Kalkbrenner, learning how to be an anchor. And um, just being, I know Jalen Courtney Williams is a, a big man guy, so just learning the right footwork and uh, gaining that touch, that necessary touch to be an impactful role guy maybe by next year or the year after that. Like, I think I think his development is still very much in the mid to early stages, at least to compete on this team. But I don't know. Maybe he'll, he'll spot minutes. I mean, he's like the only other – true big on his team right. so so it'd be I, I would be interested to see who would who would play back in five minutes but after but if he's not playing crazy enough i think you'll see i mean i don't know how much they plan to uh like kind of stagger that front court but um i think if Kalk brenner's not playing it depends on what they do with kaluma how often he plays or what spurts he plays in sure. But Kaluma, you're going to see lineups with Kaluma at the five. Like, it's going to happen. You're going to see lineups subsequently with Baylor Shireman at the four. I don't know how to work defensively, but it's going to make for pretty offensive basketball, I'm sure. So, um, in that case, if if they are comfortable with Kaluma playing more minutes at the five down the stretch, I'm not sure that leaves much room for Fred King. So, that he he definitely – um, I I wouldn't put him in at eight if they do limit themselves to eight. Uh, I think Schultzberg has a better chance, even with as crowded as that backcourt is. Schultzberg, from what I'm hearing, is just such a good decision maker, um, a, another good shooter, just a hard-nosed, talented point guard. And uh, Mac likes him a lot, as well as the rest of the staff. But I know Mac really likes him a lot. That's fun stuff. That's interesting stuff. It'll be interesting to see how all that unfolds. Practice starts next week. Yeah. At least for for Nebraska, the school starts next week, um, so it's it's getting closer. We're probably was it today is August eighth. John Rothstein tweeted the other day that we're thirteen weeks from 13 college weeks. basketball, so we're getting close. Yeah, we're getting really close. Um, I hate that I decided John Rothstein. <laughs> I don't got beef with John Rothstein. He, the guy just tweets a, he, a, a he's, lot. Man. He's got a shtick. 
and it works for him. But it, it, I, I get what you're saying. He, he rubs me the wrong way sometimes. John Rothstein, <laughs> we got beef with you. Come on our podcast. No, Defend yourself. We don't Defend yourself, you, John man. Rothstein. <laughs> Defend yourself. All right, that'll do it for this week's Half Court Press. I'm Jimmy Watkins. He's Joel Lorenzi. This Bell. is the Omaha World Herald. Thank you all. <laughs>